What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. It's been a little while, but this is Adam Frommel and Dan Favalli here. To talk some Kevin Durant, uh, we've got the stretch run of the NBA regular season going on right now. The Warriors are still tracking towards their 73rd win, uh, playoffs and everything. But we want to look a little bit past that and talk about where one of the marquee players in the league might be playing next year. As we are all probably aware, Durant is going to be a free agent during the 2016 offseason. And there is no guarantee that he's coming back to the Oklahoma City Thunder. We've already seen the Washington Wizards make overtures. He's been linked to the San Antonio Spurs, to the Golden State Warriors, to the Boston Celtics. There are so many options for this guy. And I think first it's important to start with a bit of a baseline and just talk about where we see him in terms of the individual hierarchy in the league. Is he still a top three guy? Is he a top five guy? Has he fallen behind that because of the foot injuries? No, so Dan... Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. And where do you think he is right now? Man, the top five of the NBA is so hard to flesh out right now. He's certainly in the top five. The top three is so tough because you have to put Stephen Curry there. LeBron James belongs in the top three, does he not? Even though he's shooting pretty bad this season, the Cavaliers are really good with him, like really good. And then they're just absolute crap without him. And that's and being then, generous, I think. Right. You could probably go Durant right after that, but there's Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Anthony Davis is injured, so maybe you don't go him, but he's still he had a good season. The Pelicans just suck. Durant's certainly in the top five, but I would probably go with LeBron, Leonard, and Steph as my top three right now. I'm actually going to put him down at number five. I've got Steph at number one. Russell Westbrook, I think, has been the second best player in the league, and it's weird that I don't even have Durant as the best player on his team, but that's just how good those two guys are. 
Well, and then tell me Russell Westbrook's crunch time stats. Russell Westbrook can't shoot during crunch time, but I think that that is a bit misleading because he's done so many other things for them. His defense is still awesome. He's rebounding the ball a lot. He's racking up assists without too many turnovers. And it's not like Durant has been that great during clutch situations either. Like this is a the the Thunder's crunch time problems have very much been a team wide issue. And you can't really pin the blame on any one player, even though Westbrook's decision making has been questionable and has probably been the easiest thing to pick on. I don't know that that really should detract too much from what he's done because he's been incredible this season. I just like my point guard shoes, so you're absolutely right. No, I mean, I, I agree, but the impact he's made, I think he's the clear-cut number two guy this year. I don't know that you can apply that going forward so much as, as one isolated season, but it really depends on our ranking parameters here, right? Yeah, do you know what's really tough is because Kawhi Leonard, the tricky thing with him is, and it comes to when you're ranking players and when you're talking about the would-be MVP race if Steph didn't exist, the Spurs are still so good without Kawhi Leonard that it almost doesn't let people appreciate how good Kawhi Leonard actually is. The Spurs are just so ridiculously balanced that they don't rely on any one player as much as any other team in the league might, and it, it throws a lot of what Kawhi Leonard does by the wayside. I think the general public is starting to warm up to what he's doing. We've had some features written on him. You've seen what he's done against really good teams like the Warriors, especially on defense. But this kid is good. He's just so good. And if you're starting an NBA team, is he the building block you want first? Is it Anthony Davis? Is it Carl Anthony Towns? I would probably start mine with Leonard right now. You just look at age and in terms of everything he could do. That's a fun question. I think... Yeah, I think that's a, a good topic for a future podcast, just diving into our building block values or something along those lines. But yeah, I mean, he's certainly way up there on that list. I mean, probably Nikola Jokic would be number one for me, but you know, a little biased that there. He's so good. He's so good. Um, I guess the question, though, that we have to ask here is, so Durant's a superstar. If you want to say he's, he's top five. Can we agree he's top five? Yeah, I've got him. You, you didn't let me finish my, my personal rankings here, but it's Steph, Westbrook, LeBron, Leonard, and then and then Durant. So he's top five. Yeah. The thing with him is, is what makes him such an interesting case study here is that he's entering free agency at a time where there aren't a whole lot of title contenders, like real title contenders. And you look at the West in previous years where you remember when we could say five or four teams could legitimately win the championship. We're struggling to come up with three right now. And when you look at what the Spurs are doing and you look at what the Warriors are doing, I think that's eliminated a lot of possibilities for him because wherever he goes, he has to look at it and say, this team needs to be one of these two teams or both of these teams. Where can I do that? The Wizards, to me, aren't even on the radar anymore. They were considered favorites for so long, and I wouldn't even put them in his top four or five destinations outside of Oklahoma City. No, absolutely not. I mean, the only reason that they were even on the radar is because it's his hometown team. And I'm not sure how much that really means to him right now because he still hasn't gotten that title. And he wants to ascend to the top of that ladder. And you look at what they've built, and it's nothing. You know, they have John Wall, who is a deserving all-star. They have Bradley Beal, whose development has completely stagnated, in part due to all the stress injuries. And what else? You know, Otto Porter's a decent small forward. Marcin Gortat, decent center. They have cap space. 
yay? Like, I, what's the appeal? Uh, there is none to me. And I think I think we had a, a recent report. I hesitate to call it a report because I think it was first said on first take, um, where where I, I believe it was Stephen A. Smith that said that he'd already ruled out the Wizards. And it wouldn't really surprise me just because we heard early in the year that he didn't like the way they had handled the recruitment when he came to Washington. And they the, the fans didn't embrace the team and want him so much as they just wanted him while ignoring the team. And that rubbed him the wrong way. So that combined with the complete stagnation this year, I think we can just write them off right now. Absolutely. That's really an interesting juxtaposition, though, because that would probably matter to free agent recruits. Durant, I think, might be nitpicking or looking for a way to be like, no, I'm not going here because of this, when really it's just not the right basketball decision. But when you take a team like the Knicks, I'll go full homer here, you have the crowd just booing the hell out of Carmelo Anthony, your only superstar, the guy who's finally playing like you need him to play. (laughs) That doesn't really beg people, hey, come play here. And then the other thing is, though, is that all these destinations that we originally thought would have been possible, like L.A., like New York, are they even on his radar? No. There's no – There's does he even take a meeting with these two teams, Lakers Look, and Knicks? Do you think that big market matters right now? Is Durant really going to lack for endorsement opportunities at wherever he goes to play? No. There's So for me, there's an important distinction between getting the endorsement opportunities and building your brand. You're not going to want for endorsement opportunities, whether you're playing in Minnesota or Oklahoma City or New York. If you really do want to build up your brand and become something more than a basketball player where you can dabble in like these technological ventures like Mello has or, or have done things that these like Kobe's has where you're so ubiquitous, ubiquitous around the world, I do think big markets still hold weight there. But in terms of strictly financial value and being seen, no, they don't matter, and I'm sure he'll take a meeting with the Lakers and Knicks, but I'm waiting for the rumors to come out like, oh, he'll consider them. There's no way. No, because he wants to win. Exactly. He wants to win. Which, I guess the question would be then, Oklahoma City is, is the safe option if you think Russell Westbrook and Serge are coming back in 2017. But if you're going to leave Oklahoma City, and we have to get here, are you going anywhere? other than to the Warriors or the Spurs? I think there are a couple interesting options. The Celtics would be pretty intriguing just because I love what they're building there. And I think Brad Stevens at this point, I would consider him the second best coach in the NBA behind Greg Popovich. And I know that might be a bit of a hot take, but I think he's that good. And you're shaking your head like you agree with me, so that's awesome. It might be more tepid. So the Celtics roster is awesome. It's deep. It needs a star. You know, we, we know that Jay Crowder said around the All-Star break that they play like one star altogether, and it's true. Like, they are really good together, but it would be beyond helpful to have a go-to player like Durant in that location. So I think that's one option. The other I don't think would ever happen, but I would love to see him go somewhere like New Orleans or Minnesota and team up with another young superstar. Can you imagine him and Anthony Davis playing together for years, or him and Carl Anthony Towns playing for years? He would never in a million years consider it because they're not at that level, and they would need to continue growing while he's there. But it would be so much fun, and I love thinking about it. Anthony Davis is totally there. The hell Anthony Davis is. Anthony Davis is, but who else on that roster is? 
Drew Holiday, man. Is Drew Holiday combined with Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant a title contender? Yeah. No way. No way. Dude, they're going to have a top five or top seven pick this year. If you can build around them, then they could be. Boston makes perfect sense. I don't think he'll go there just because there isn't a star. And I don't think he's going to leave one team that has two stars to go to a team that has zero other than him. What you bring up with the Pelicans, though, no, he's not going to the Pelicans. They're not even going to have enough cap space unless they get rid of uh, some contracts. Shout out Omir Ashik. Um, he has to go somewhere at this point in his career. You're approaching a decade being in the NBA where you're not only going to try and win now, but like you don't want to shorten your title window to, hey, I need to do this in two or three years. You want to go somewhere that's going to help you contend when you're not as good. And so you have to find that situation where, hey, maybe a team like the Warriors or the Spurs is appealing now, but can they set you up? for the next seven to nine years of your career. Okay, so I'll throw this one out here. What about, what about, and don't laugh here, what about the Philadelphia 76ers? You're stoned. (laughs) Why would you ever go there? All the assets, man. Three first-round picks this year. Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor already there. feel like everyone who's listening, including myself, is a lot stupider for having heard that comment. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll take it back. What do you think about, I know we're kind of jumping around, but that's the only way to do this. Two that are interesting in my mind, or one that was really interesting and now isn't so much anymore, the Rockets. James Harden is already there. They could potentially, since they have so many movable deals, free up two max slots. To pair up with him, are the Rockets with James Harden, let's say Trevor Ariza and Patrick Beverly are there, and Kevin Durant, is that a four-player title contender? No, I don't think so. I don't think the playing styles mesh at all. You're talking about a guy who runs one isolation after another, and then Durant is a guy that likes the ball in his hands, too. You know, Harden and, and Durant worked in OKC because they were usually staggered. You know, until the end of the game, they didn't really play that much together, I believe. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But what else is there in Houston? You know, Dwight Howard isn't going to be there next year. I think we can pretty much guarantee that at this point. So you're looking at at Harden, Durant, and what else? Like you mentioned Patrick Beverly and Trevor Ariza. Are those really players of that, that you couldn't get elsewhere? Right, that, that's true. Then in terms of teams that won't be able to decimate, that won't have to decimate their rosters to get him, you're looking at the Warriors. They'll be barren of a lot of depth, but they'll still have their core three guys there and some supporting role players. The Spurs, who would find role players at the playground. The Celtics. And that's it, with the Thunder included. Yeah, the Thunder, but also what about the Raptors? Yes, you would have to get rid of DeMar probably, but like you have... Damari Carroll, Kyle Lowry, Giannis is under a pretty good contract. I guess Biombo leaves, but you locked up Terrence Ross. They're not the best option in my mind. Kyle Lowry is perfect for Kevin Durant, though, as is Damari Carroll. But Kyle Lowry is perfect for now. How old is he? Do you know off the top of your head? I mean, you, you said earlier you want that title window to stay open, so I don't really want a guy who's going to turn 30 in a couple days as my second best player. 
right. I'm not saying they're the best option, but I think in terms of him going somewhere where there's going to be a more complete team around him, where they don't have to almost build the supporting cast from the ground up, Toronto is probably in the top three or four. See, I think it's. I think there are a lot of teams littered throughout the league that are fun to think about. You know, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Raptors, maybe even the Wizards. You could take a team like the Milwaukee Bucks where you can fit him in and he'd be a lot of fun that aren't realistic. I think that right now there are really only the four choices for him, and that's Thunder, Celtics, Warriors, Spurs. And any of the others are fun hypotheticals, but not really worth diving into the specifics and the contract situations because they're not going to happen. I even have trouble, honestly, and this isn't an insult to what the Celtics are doing, but I have trouble envisioning him in Boston. The Celtics just really haven't shown that they're that free agent destination yet, and it's going to take one star to go there first, or they're going to have to acquire one. If they trade for someone ahead of the draft, or if Durant is signing there in conjunction with someone else, maybe Al Horford, if the Celtics are able to open up enough room, then yes, maybe, but if he is anyone, or is he specifically going to want to be the first star that goes there? See, what I really hear you saying is that Boston's going to trade for DeMarcus Cousins and then sign Kevin Durant. I'm over the Celtics trade for DeMarcus Cousins. They're better without him, I think. You want to trade for, like, I would even rather Kevin Love on the Celtics than DeMarcus Cousins. Just because the Celtics could throw Kevin Love or Blake Griffin out at center and not care because they have all the perimeter defense in the world. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. You throw Kevin Durant with Blake Griffin, or uh, Kevin Love would even be fun, then then it becomes intriguing. But I think the Celtics need to get that star first. In terms of, if we're being completely logical about this, favorites outside of Oklahoma City, there can really only be two. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And if you're the Warriors, if you're the Warriors and Durant says, hey, I want to come play with you. Are you doing what's necessary to get him knowing it's probably going to cost you? Stop shaking your head until I finish. It's probably going to cost you two to three of Andre Godala, Andrew Bogut, Sean Livingston, Harrison Barnes. You're going to lose guys like Mo Spades probably unless he comes back at the minimum for you. Uh, Might even cost you Festus Azili. I worked this out in my head once in a Google document. They can keep as many guys as possible and still have a very talented you know, seven or eight player rotation and hope that you can uh, strike gold maybe with someone like James McAdoo or who's playing pretty well at points. But if Kevin Durant says, I want to come play with Stephen Curry, Raymond Green, Clay Thompson, do you do it? I'm still saying no. What if I, you can guarantee that they'll also be able to keep Iggy? I think I would still say no, honestly. It's not so much losing the depth that concerns me. It's the whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. And there's always room for improvement in the NBA, but is there really with this team right now? I mean, we're talking about arguably the best team that has ever played in the NBA. And they're so good because of what they can do on offense, where they're just blowing everyone out of the water in terms of offensive rating. And that's because the ball is always in the hands of Steph Curry or Draymond Green. Or it's the bench mob that's coming in and still playing really well. If you put Durant on that team, you are immediately taking the ball out of Steph's hands, you're taking it out of Draymond Green's hands, and you're limiting what they can do. And it's going to work because he's a better player than Harrison Barnes. There's no doubt about that. And they'll still be really good. But why would you break this roster up, especially after they're coming off potentially back-to-back titles, maybe a 73-win season? 
it just it doesn't make sense to me. It's not saying that they would be bad. You know, we're still looking at a team that's easily going to win 60-plus games. But does it necessarily make them better? I don't think so. Yeah, I struggle with this. Durant, in, in a vacuum, fits what the Warriors would do because he can score off the catch and he can pass. He's not a bad defender. He can exist within some of their smaller units. But is he really willing to come and be the second or third option? It's Stephen Curry's team, and that's not changing because so much of the Warriors' success is prided on his unbelievable shot-making and creating abilities. But you also need Draymond Green to handle the ball because he creates a lot of your mismatches on the offensive end for other players off screens. Is Kevin Durant willing to be the Clay Thompson of this team? And then where does that leave Clay Thompson? And beyond that, I'm not sure that it's a perfect stylistic fit because Durant's offense has always been about controlling the ball for a little bit. He's going to turn his back to the basket, dribble a couple times. He's going to size up a defender before he launches a jumper. And that's not how the Warriors play, with the exception of Curry. So unless you're going to create two exceptions within the offense, you're going to lose some of that free-flowing aspect that's what makes what makes them so difficult to, to defend. I... I just I have too many questions, especially when you throw in that you are going to lose such key players off the bench. It's a tough situation. It's one that becomes even a whole lot harder if the Warriors repeat. Because if they lose, you can justify like, hey, someone solved this. We've got to go a different route. But I would probably do it. The, the potential with Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green if everything pans out, would be absurd. And to me, if Durant is coming to Golden State, if they've won two titles or if they've won one in the last two years, he can't feasibly walk into Oakland expecting for things to change just because he's there. This is a situation where he would have to understand what he's getting into and the sacrifices he, not Curry, not even necessarily Draymond Green, but he would have to make. And if he's willing to do that, and if the Warriors brass thinks that he's, they're smart enough to know whether or not he actually is willing to do that, why, why wouldn't you take this dice roll? I think if the, the biggest out, issue with that for me is, is that it's easier to talk about making that sacrifice than to actually make it. And you're talking about a guy who has been the alpha dog throughout his entire career. You know, whether he was in high school, whether he was at Texas, whether he was on the young Thunder team, or even now, even when playing with Westbrook, when he wants a shot, he's going to get it. And you're asking a guy who has, what, 15 years of playing competitive basketball, probably longer than that, at a high level, all of a sudden, he has to change all of his instincts and start to defer. I think it's easier said than done. You're not asking him to do anything, though. That, that's my thing, is if he's coming to you, this is not a situation where the Warriors, in my mind, have to pitch Kevin Durant. If I'm them, I'm not bending over backwards to accommodate him. If he seeks out us, if he wants to play, we'll tell him what's going to happen. We'll, we'll pitch him in the meeting. This is how it's going to be. But I'm not foaming at the mouth to get Kevin Durant if I'm them. There's no need to. Yeah. So if, he, if he says, I want to do this, you, you tr I think you have to trust that he'll do that. This is not... You know, is Kevin Durant a serial liar? He's not the type to cause drama behind the scenes. Yeah, I, it's, it is a hard question. And it's even though I'm pretty firmly on one side of the argument, I mean, for me, it's like, 
do you want to sign him and become a 65 win team with the chance of becoming even better than you are now? Or do you want another run at 70 wins? Like each option, each option is fantastic. There's no doubt about that. Like you cannot complain about a team with Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson suddenly adding Kevin Durant into the mix. But that doesn't still that still doesn't mean it's the right decision. What would make it the right decision to you then? What if the Warriors don't win a title this year? Which just doesn't seem possible. But what if they don't? I still don't think that changes my mind. What if it's via a sign and trade, which is very rare, but Harrison Barnes would have to agree to it. There's really no incentive for him to agree to it unless Oklahoma City's given him more money than another team would. Uh, because you can't even you can't get that fifth year uh, that the Warriors could give him in a sign and trade. Those are no longer there. If it's a sign and trade where you know you would have to give up Barnes and then maybe only one other piece, you know, the Thunder have to like Barnes and be willing to pay him. Yes, there's all this stuff. But if it's a sign and trade where you're not giving up as many people as you initially thought, are you more willing to make that risk? More willing, yes. I think I would still say no, though, just because – as you're tempting as it, that's part of it. But as tempting as it is, like what may, you've said it yourself on the podcast, and I still tell friends that you've said this better than anyone I've heard say it, is that Draymond Green gives the Warriors their identity, and Steph Curry makes that identity great, right? And that's what's happened this year. And if you add Kevin Durant into that mix, that equation changes, and it works so well, and it should continue working so well because there really aren't adjustments for it in the NBA right now, that if you alter those pieces, you risk losing what's so special. This might be the greatest two-year run we've seen if they do get to 73 and win a title. This might be the best team we've ever seen if they get to 73 and win a title, or even if they don't. And if you fundamentally change the structure of that core, which you're going to do even if Durant is willing to acquiesce and take on a lesser role, then that equation doesn't hold true and this team loses what makes it special. Maybe it doesn't, but the potential there is what I want to avoid. How long do you think this team is going to continue what it's doing, though? As currently constructed, you're looking at guys like Andrew Bogut, Andre Iguodala, even Sean Livingston. These guys aren't kids. No, but I think those are the guys that you can find the replacements for. You're going to you're you're sacrifice them. No, you're going to sacrifice a lot, and you're not going to be competing for 73 wins. But if you have Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson – as the leaders of this team, do you really think they're not going to be a title contender for at least five more years? Curry's game is going to age well, and the other guys are young. I fully believe that they will be a title contender for the next five years. But it's a matter of, no, you don't want to be too greedy, but you have to push that bill in this league. The Warriors, there's no one who can solve them right now, but eventually there will be. There's always going to be someone else. And if you're trying to become th- that next great dynasty, if you're trying to prolong your title window, if you get Kevin Durant and you can tell me if you're assuming he's healthy or if you put him with this group of guys, you're going to be a title contender beyond this contract of his. I, I think that you make that decision once you start to see signs that the current core is, is significantly eroding or that the league is catching up. You're never going to have an opportunity to make a call like this again. Are you sure? When is the cap going to jump like this again? Well, the cap, the cap might, yeah, the cap might not jump, but you're going to have another superstar who's going to come around five years from now, three years from now that you can make a play for. 
Yeah, but they don't right now either. They're going to have to make significant moves just to open up enough space to sign him. This kind of out, though. No. No, and that's fair. And again, like I said, like even though it sounds like I'm so firmly on one side of this argument, I'm slightly on the side of the argument, but I feel very strongly about being slightly on that side. You know what I mean? Here's a scenario for you, then. You have... You, you look at the Warriors books in 2017. You have Stephen Curry entering free agency, but his cap hold won't be completely absurd because he's only earning not even $12 million that season or something. What is it? I'm looking at it. He's earning $12.1 million. So his cap hold leading into that summer won't be crazy. Iguodala's coming off the books. Bogut's coming off the books. If you keep Livingston... Uh, on his non-guaranteed deal, he's coming off the books. Let's say you, you re-sign Harrison Barnes, but you know, even on a max deal or a near-max deal, that you could dump him or move him. Is there any other options in 2017 free agency that you would be more willing to make this gamble on, knowing that that's going to be the perfect transition year just because all these guys are coming off the books? See, that really depends on who's available in 2017, and I cannot claim to know that off the top of my head. <laughs> Right, but you know, it could be Kevin Durant. Like, what's to stop him from signing the one plus one so that he sure. can capitalize on the next cap boom? And then this is a situation you revisit after you've had three years with his core. Yeah, and I think that that's a much more workable situation just because, like I said earlier, I think it's a move you think about once you see signs that the current core is eroding or that the league is figuring it out, whether that's Curry regressing somehow from deep, whether it's the league figuring out how to defend these guys, or it's Iguodala and Livingston showing signs of wear and tear and not making the same impact, then you start thinking about it. Like, even right now, if you look at it, the Warriors have $35 million in guaranteed salary, 35.1 for 2017 that summer. That's not including cap holds, draft picks, any contracts they might sign this summer. Let's throw Harrison Barnes' max deal on there, or let's say he rejected about sixteen million a year. Let's say he's making like eighteen, or so you tack that on there, and you're immediately at fifty-three. Stephen Curry's cap hold until he signs a new deal is only, and this is still incredible to me, is only sixteen point four million dollars. <laughs> so you throw that in there, and all of a sudden you're around seventy million. You don't know what the rest of the roster is going to look like, but the cap is projected to hit one hundred and seven million that summer right now. You can really do some damage then, and I, I did literally just think of this. I'm not saying it's a brilliant idea, but it sort of bends to what you're saying and what I'm saying. You can't get too complacent, but you're coming at a natural transition point. Andre Godala might be willing to come back at a veteran's minimum mm -hmm. if you're getting a superstar uh, on, a, on a max deal when he's entering free agency. The same goes for Bogut. It could go for Livingston. Yeah, I think I'm all for that solution. So it would be fantastic if the Warriors – managed to convince him to sign a one-year deal in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to have him do it with Oklahoma City. He has no reason to do it. He can keep doing one-plus-ones with other teams, but sure. you only do that to get your bird right sure. like, up to three years. Uh, if he does that, though, like with the Oklahoma City, which I think is a real possibility because then you enter... Well, then he and Westbrook are free agents at the same time, too. Yeah, that yeah. would be a catastrophe for the Thunder. Yeah. You'd be spending so much money at once, even though I guess it doesn't matter, but your whole team could literally just walk away in that same summer. Yep. But is there another 2007? Let's say Durant re-ups long-term with Oklahoma City or he goes elsewhere. Is there another free agent that you think might make like that worth their while, like where they would want to wait for that? I don't actually see one. 
Paul Millsap would be a little old for my taste, even though he would be fun. I mean, maybe like Blake Griffin. I could go for that. I mean, if you can somehow, right, you're never going to lure onto Takumpo away from the Bucks, even though he'd be an awesome fit on that team. Right. Could you, could you see Gordon Hayward being like a quasi Andre Godala for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of the Jazz, what about Rudy Gobert? I mean, again, a restricted free agent, so you're probably not getting your hands on him, but he'd be another really fun fit for that team. You're probably going to have Festus Azili under contract if you don't get Durant. Yeah. So that would be, yeah. he added that. Uh, there's, I guess there's some options, but Gordon Hayward would be fun. But even this season, push comes to shove, if I'm the Warriors, I'm probably doing it. It, it, it might depend on how this season ends, but I'm doing and it. And I, I can't say you're wrong. I can just say that I think I'm more right. <laughs> but before we go too long here, I, I do want to just talk about the Spurs just for a couple minutes. Um, because they are another really intriguing possibility. It's something that seems to be gaining steam here. Is there a better fit for Durant? I don't think so. Like, he'd get to play his game. He'd get to work with Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's there's no downside there. It's the Spurs. They're going to make everything work. My concern with them is that unless, I guess, Tim Duncan and Manu retire, which could definitely be a possibility, my concern with them is you definitely have to get rid of Danny Green. He was so pivotal to what you do defensively. Then you have to cut loose Boris Diaz. He's on the non-guaranteed deal. And he's kind of important to what you do if you want to beat the Warriors. Like, you But it's the Spurs. They're going to find someone that makes it work. Boban Marjanovic is going to turn into a superstar. Jonathan Simmons is going to replace Danny Green. And voila, everything works. Yo, who's throwing Boban a max deal in restricted free agents? Someone needs to. Someone needs to. Um... I guess there's not a better fit. You have to tell. I want to know what the exact pieces are, though, because yes, you'll have Kawhi Leonard there. You'll have a Marcus Aldridge. I can't talk myself out of it. It's a great yeah. fit. Yeah. Is it? I guess it's Tony Parker, fit. Jonathan Simmons, Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Lamarcus Aldridge in a super small ball lineup with Boban coming off the bench. Maybe Tim Duncan returning on a minimum contract, and David West. Are you going to complain about that? No. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tactically just seems like a better fit. Mm-hmm. I guess the Warriors are the sexier pick. I would love to see him on the Spurs. I'm. I, I do wonder though. Are the Spurs going to give him like legitimate chase? They went after Aldridge. I think so. I think so. I think that they know they're transitioning into that next Spurs era, and what better way to secure that than with Leonard and Durant? <laughs> Oh my god. God. So are, okay, so so let's go with this then. Are the knowing what the Spurs would have to give up for Durant, are they better than the Warriors if they get Durant? Oh man. Um, right? that the fact that I'm pausing, you know I've been I've been pushing the Warriors all year. So the fact that I'm pausing should be pretty telling. Um I'm going to say no, just because so much of what the Spurs do now, and even what they would have to do with Durant, rests on them forcing the Warriors to play their game. The Warriors are built to play their game. Maybe not as well as the Spurs, but they can do it and win doing it. But more importantly, at some point, you have to play the Warriors' game. And even with Durant, especially if you get rid of Boris Diaz, 
you're not built to play the Warriors game anymore. You can't stick Durant on Draymond Green. You can't stick LaMarcus Aldridge on Draymond Green. You can throw Kawhi Leonard at the five, I guess, but who do you flush out that lineup? Yeah, I'm going to say no also, but I think it would be close and there's the potential for them to move past. I hope, I want Durant to go to the Warriors and Spurs this summer. I would love to see him go to the Spurs, but I was going to ask you as, as our last question here. Where if, if you if you get to suddenly control Durant's head, and you know he's going to take a max contract, but you get to do whatever you want, free of outside influence, where are you putting him? And this is where we can move beyond those three locations. Or it could still be one of them. To me, it would still be one of them, would it not? I'm wrestling between the Spurs and the Warriors right now because those three locations are also the most tantalizing fits. Boston so, would be super fun. Uh, I guess without regard for anything, can we pick one from the East and one from the West? If you really want to. You can do whatever go, you want. I would go Boston in the East, and then I would go... Oh my god, i go Spurs in the West after thinking about it. We just spent like 30 minutes arguing about the Warriors, and I'm ready to put Durant on the Spurs. Am I totally insane for thinking that the Timberwolves might be near the top of the list? Yeah. Can you imagine Rubio, Levine... Durant, Wiggins, and Towns. Think about all those ball dominators. That's way too many. You were worried about the Thunder working out with James Harden. How's that? Do? I know, but they're still young enough that you can mold them. Oh, get out of here. Go away. No, I mean, obviously it's the Spurs or the Celtics. I'm, I'm down with both of those. I mean, right, I... Which one? You have to pick I want them on the Spurs. I want... Oh, man, as, as exciting as this Western Conference Finals is shaping up to be with the Warriors and the Spurs... Imagine that next year with Durant in the picture. Yes, please. I, a part of me feels like mean saying that I want him to leave Oklahoma City. And if you could guarantee me that this core is going to stay together and they might get some other players to compliment them, I, I don't necessarily not want to see this core anymore. But I've had enough of the way that this team plays. Just the, the way it plays down the stretch, there's just not a lot of ball movement. They always seem to put these one-way guys around these two. Like, you, you really just need to find someone to blend Anthony Morrow's and Andre Roberson's skill set together. Also, Serge Ibaka is just not very good. Yeah, he became a little bit overrated, most definitely. I'm his offense if, is so bad right now that it's almost canceling out his defense. Right. I'm wondering if it's the, is the injury there. He hurt his knee the other last year, didn't he? It could be. But, I mean, ugh, he did not develop how he needed to. Right, but I'm... So both of us are ready to put him on the Spurs. Yeah. He's going to San Antonio. Durant to the Spurs. Book All it. Right, so, so now that that's booked, settled, and ready to roll, that brings us to... Ah, yes. The first Burns My Bacon of the new Hardwood Knox era that I just decided started right now. Today we are going to be giving the talking stick to Mr. Adam Frommel. Uh, he is fuming. I can see the smoke coming out of his ears from here. So take it away. So I can't believe I'm going to say this as an avid college basketball watcher for so much time. But March Madness, not feeling it this year. A lot of fun games, a lot of fun teams, but the quality of play lags so far behind what we're used to watching with the NBA. And I realize this sounds a little bit NBA snobby, and I'm okay with that because the product is just that much better. It, it baffles me how many teams are incapable of breaking pretty simple presses. It baffles me that we see really fun 
but also simultaneously depressing situations like the end of that Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game where Texas A&M didn't so much win that game as Northern Iowa lost that. And I hate that cliche, but it's, has it ever been more true than when a team throws away like three or four inbounds passes, can't break a press, and basically can't do anything right and loses a 10-point lead in 30 seconds? Like, it's the, – the, the offensive sets are too simple. They have, they have an extended shot clock. They still can't get off good shots. And, you know, you, you can watch a bunch of March Madness games and you can turn on a 76ers game and it looks like great basketball. And that's a problem. So I don't know that there's really a solution. I don't know if it's just something that's happened because I've started watching way too much NBA basketball, but it's just hard this year. Well, it has to be to some extent the NBA basketball because we get caught up in these like college teams versus NBA teams debate. But then when you really watch college basketball and go back to the NBA, you realize how much different it is, how much better the players are. Do you think that it seems like a declining product for college basketball. It really does. You. Do you think it has anything to do with the one-and-done guys coming in and where you don't have as much time to forge an identity as it's Yeah, absolutely. I mean, more so than in the NBA, I think that, that the college basketball game is, is largely predicated upon continuity and chemistry just because you do have guys that aren't NBA talents out on the court. And if you're going to make the most use of all five of them, then you need guys who know how to play with each other. So when you are constantly shifting pieces in these top programs that we're watching during March Madness, then that's going to lead to the product suffering. And don't get me wrong, March Madness is still really fun. You know, I have a bracket up on my fridge right now. I've enjoyed watching the drama late in games. And thank goodness the games are staggered so you don't have to watch one all the way through. It's still fun. It's still a great event. But if you are really arguing that the college product is is so much better than the NBA product solely because of passion, I'm not sure that I can agree with that. Uh, I'd totally agree with you there. I'm not a big college basketball guy. And the passion argument is just, it's so archaic. It's not even funny. But that will do it for us after Adam's impassioned soliloquy. It was amazing. Thank you for that. If you want to talk to him more about the decline of college basketball or how great the NBA is or how awesome Kevin Durant would look in a Spurs jersey, you can get at him on Twitter. That's at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. You can find me at Dan Favalli. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. Andy Bailey, who does not love you right now, you can get at him on Twitter also, at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled like it sounds. All of us can be found at the Hardwood Knox account, at Hardwood Knox. Until next time. Shout out, you know, Udre. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.